Oh, man, I love that movie. <laughs> and he, it, the Christmas, it's called The Christmas um, Story, or Christmas Story. Um, great stuff, but uh, why do I play that clip? Well, I, I play that clip, one, because it's funny and it's great and timeless, but also because, um, you know, it, it, the power behind the triple dog dare. Anybody ever been there as a kid on the playground? You know, it's like someone says, I dare you. And it, it's more of a, maybe it's more of a guy thing. I don't know. We just love to dare each other. That's how, why we do crazy things half the time when we get together with our friends is because someone there goes, I dare you to go that way. Oh, man. All right, fine. I'll jump off the bridge because you dared me. So, you know, it's, a, it's that kind of crazy stuff. But, um, you know, I also show it because to some extent... Um, and if you guys know the story, let me just outline it a little bit. Uh, if you've never seen the movie, uh, he ends up sticking his tongue to this frozen flagpole. And surprise, shocker of all shockers, his tongue sticks to the flagpole. And he can't get it off. And so he's sitting there with his tongue on the flagpole going, Stuck! 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 And all the kids are like, Holy! It worked! Oh no! Get out of here! And they scatter, right? <laughs> they run. And they leave this poor kid stuck to the flagpole. And the best scene is they're all in the class now, inside, just sitting there, acting like nothing's going on. And the teacher's like, Where's... Where's Flick? <laughs> Where is he? Where's Flick? And nobody's saying anything. You know, everyone's quiet, just deadpan. You know, like, I don't know, flick, flick who? <laughs> she looks out the window and there's this kid out there in the middle of a blizzard with his, stu- his tongue stuck to this flagpole and they just abandoned by all of his friends. Um, it's, it's a great scene. But to some extent, I bring that up because haven't we all gotten stuck at one time or another? We, we, we've gotten in trouble with what we've said. We've gotten in trouble with what we've committed to. We've gotten in trouble with what we did commit and then stopped committing. And, and very much so, our tongue is stuck. Who we are is stuck. And it started from this. It started from the, from the moment those words came out. And, and, and now we're there, left abandoned, out in the cold. And, and I think the reason why I get so daggum emotional on You Make Beautiful Things is not because I'm so happy about just being new, but there are so many people out there in the middle of the cold who are stuck, and they don't know that God has come to make them new. They don't know that God has something for them, and they're stuck. And, and I just, I want our church to be a church that doesn't abandon the areas where it's coldest and where people are stuck. I want us to be a church, as, as, as Monica prayed, that is out-focused, that doesn't leave people and goes to where they're stuck and helps them. And that's what I, I get so... I don't know. I just become like a big baby when I hear songs like that. Because I just I think about the outside. I just think about people out there. And I just want to be that church that goes and does those things that God is calling us to do. I'm really excited about our CGS classes that we have. In fact, we have our last serve class. And if you've gone to the Connect class, you've gone to the Grow class, the serve class today is just awesome because it's just the end all of our membership of our church. But basically, we just want to outline to you how we want to go out to those people who are stuck at the flagpole. (laughs) Stuck. And how we can work with them. And how we can help them. And how we can come alongside them. And show them the God that came down. The love that came down, moved into our neighborhood and set up shop to not run away from those who are stuck, but purposefully came to those who were stuck 
And that's what I love about what we're doing this, this, this next couple of months with Love Came Down. To, to not give us more rules, but to give us the ruler. To show us the path of forgiveness and final finishes that we talked about last week. I, I love the panoramic view of this, by the way. And if you guys look at John 1, um, John 1, 14, it, it's like that panoramic shot. I, I still can't do those on my iPhone. My wife's really good at the panoramic shot. I always get it mixed up. Someone is always cut in half or something. Maybe because I'm too ADD and I just can't focus that long, you know. It's like, it only takes two seconds. Yeah, too long for me. There was a squirrel that I saw. So, you know, but this panoramic view of what God is doing in John 1.14, he sees it, says this, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous, inside and out, from start to finish. He came for you and me. He came for the stuck ones. He knows what it is to get stuck. So, I really want to just look at this because there's some awesome things in here that blow me away. Especially as Jesus is, is... bringing up the traditions, bringing up the religion, but moving so far past it that he's all about the relationship. Again, not about the rules, but the ruler. And and nothing gets God moving more than when the least and the last and the lost are being oppressed. When the least and the last and the lost are being crushed and persecuted and kept where they're at. You see, God came to make beautiful things out of the dust And he starts with the least. He starts with the last. And he always starts with the lost. And that's what we need to be focused on. And very much so the religious rulers of that day were keeping them out. Keeping them from. And that ticked him off. (laughs) It's kind of scary to see God mad. But whenever you see God mad in the Bible, it's because the oppressed are being oppressed. And so, I want to look at this today and the idea of, of our tongue, of what we use, the vows, the vows that we make, the thing that gets us most stuck. So, let's stand and we're going to pray and jump into a, a Matthew chapter 5. And I'm, I'm excited about this because I really believe God's doing something big. I really believe God's doing something big. So, let's go to, the, let's go to our Father. Let's go to our Dad. Let's go to the one that came down. And sent his son for you and me. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that you came down to where we were at. You weren't content with saying, is staying where you were at. You weren't content with saying, just try, keep on trying. If you fail, it's your fault. No, you sent your one and only son to the world, to to the people that you love. All people, all races. You came. You, you camped amongst us. You came to the neighborhood. You put down roots to show us the new way. To lead us in a way that only love can lead. And only love can listen. Thank you. And we just pray right now that as we come before you in your word, God, that, that we would listen. That we would have the ears to hear what you're saying to our hearts, to our souls, to our spirit. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. Keep on standing if you can. Um, We are going to go ahead and read this. Uh, It's very simple. Again, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, And... 
basically Jesus has been going through with the Beatitudes and everything, and now he's gotten into the the full brunt of the sermon in Matthew chapter 5. Um, and, and he says this in, in verse 31. He said, you have heard the law that says... Again, he starts that out a lot of times in this. He's, he's bringing it back to what was said, what, what tradition and what culture has dictated, but then he, he goes and brings it back to, to, to what it really is. And he says, you have heard that the law says, a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say to you, do not make any vows. Don't say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And don't say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And definitely don't say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. And don't even say by my head. For you can't turn one hair white or black. That would be nice if we could, right? Just, all of a sudden, no more gray. (laughs) That'd be great, wouldn't it? Ain't going to happen. Just say a simple, yes, I will. Or, nope, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. All right, you may be seated. Wow. Jesus is just challenging and challenging and challenging. And you know, the most challenging this is too, by the way, is the religious leaders. This was something that, that, that yes, it's, it's hardcore, and he brings it back to, to the truth, the ultimate truth of what God intended. But it's really tough for those that are trying to scale the mountain of God by themselves. You see, the, the, the good news is that God came down to meet us where we were at. But for those who are struggling with this, and in religion, it's very easy for us to try to say, well, yeah, that's nice and all, and grace is good, but I want to get there on my own. What can I do to get to God? And very much so, Jesus goes right in the face of that. He slaps that, challenging it all the stinking time. In that day, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, especially the Sadducees who ruled the Sanhedrin, ruled basically like the, um, the head council of that time in Jerusalem, in Judea, the whole area of Israel, it was very much so uh, dictated by what these guys would interpret. And they would interpret the scriptures off of interpretation, off of interpretation from way back when to try to get it as close as they could. But there was many, many laws. There was many, many things that they were looking at trying to figure out what God meant. And so very much what they would do is say, well, God wants this. What if we added this to make it even better to follow that? I know it seems a little convoluted. It was very much convoluted at the time. They had over 630-something laws trying to make sure they were following just the Ten Commandments. It's crazy when you think about it. But that was the way you had to do it. Because if I'm going to get to the top where God's at, then I've got to make sure not to stumble once. And it was so heavy and so burdensome for the average person. Because if you're like me, you're out there in the middle of the schoolyard with your tongue stuck sometimes. <laughs> Man, I've blown it. I've screwed up. How do I get, I I can't, you know, see, rule number 622 says, oh, that's crazy. And so what we have here in the idea of divorce is is we had two schools. You had the Hillel view, or Hillel, and and the Shemai view, okay? Now these were two teachers and two interpretations of a very simple law. When you try to get a divorce, this is the way we're going to interpret it. And so what they did was, 
the Hillel view was a very interesting view because what it had to do with was um, basically a man in this view could go to his wife and say, well, that was a really good pot of hummus and goat leg, but it wasn't good enough, so I'm going to divorce you. I'm not even kidding. So Hillel, in fact, it says this, he may divorce her even if she spoiled a dish for him. That's how easy it was through the Hillel view. Okay, it was basically if, if if you find somebody, this is this is the other one, and it shall be if she find no favor in his eyes. The idea was, you know what, you're just looking like a little old model. I want to go for the younger model. That was the concept. They could easily do that. They could say, well, you know what, you're just uh, you get some wrinkles. You're getting older. I want to go find a, a, a newer, younger model. That's how easy it was. They just had to find disfavor. How sad is that? And this is what was the popular view of the time. Now, the other view was the Shammai view. And this was an interesting view. Uh, Shammai was only in the case of adultery or failure to provide one's wife with food, clothing, and marital intercourse. So this was the concept of a very like the, the complete fraud of that other person. This wasn't the popular view. This wasn't. And so what Jesus is doing is he's bringing up at that time the popular understanding of, I know what you guys are doing. I know what you've done for these people. You've taken what God has said and you've twisted it. You've left them out there on the schoolyard, freezing, shivering, and stuck. And this is especially true of the women. Because see, in that day, as a woman, as I've said before, the Jew would pray, thank you, Lord, for not making me a Gentile who is a horrible deplorable, pitiful individual. Thank you, Lord, for not making me a dog, which is the same thing, oh, and a woman. That's what they would pray, unless you were a woman. You weren't even allowed in certain places. A woman of that day could not have any authority over a man whatsoever. They were largely confined to their father's house until they were married, and then they were confined to their husband's house. They were considered to be inferior to men, they weren't allowed to testify in courts because who's going to believe a woman? Which is hilarious, by the way, when you read your Bible. Because who's the ones that testify for, for God and for Jesus being raised from the dead first and the loudest? The women! And you have the disciples even. The disciples who are going, this is a great little side bit, but I, I apologize and I know I shouldn't go off track, but I just love this because they're like, you know, the two cats on the road to Emmaus, you know, Cleopas and, 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 his, and his traveling companions, they're meeting with Jesus. They're like, hey, yeah, you know what? The women came back, but who can trust women? This is what the women were saying, but you can't trust women. R right? Really? That's the way it was. You can't even trust what they say. They couldn't go to public or talk to strangers. When they were outside their home, they had to be doubly veiled. They had become second-class citizens, second-class Jews, ex excluded from the worship and teaching of God with status scarcely above that of a slave. You see, the first part that I really want you to see here when we try to scale this mountain on our own, people always get pushed out of the way and are devalued. People always get pushed out of the way and are devalued. You see, when it's, I'm getting there because of me, 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 we're always going to forget about them. 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 What do those guys do if you ever see the movie? I mean, here, they, here the kid is stuck and they're like, hey, this is my best friend. I should probably help him. Heck no. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> right? I don't want you to taint me. Man, if, I, if I'm found to be a part of this whole uh, uh, sticking the tongue to the flagpole, I might get in trouble. So I'm just going to take off because it's about me. 
And this is what very much happens when we try to scale the mountain on our own. Instead of accepting the love that came down, when we go up on our own, we devalue who God has created. We devalue the people. See, Jesus attacks these interpretations for what they are. Religious manure. (laughs) It's manure. When we ignore God's grace and try to attain it on our own, we have to devalue people all around us. And nothing ticks God off more than when we devalue the least, the last, and the lost. You see, the student who pushes aside the love that came down just because everyone else is doing it, jumps into the party scene and alcohol and drugs, losing themselves to a scene and trend that devalues and degrades their dignity and their character one day at a time. That's what happens when it's about me doing what I want to go where I want to go instead of accepting the love that came down. How about the mom that's struggling? Some of you know what I mean. The mom that, 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 that's got the kids, got the stuff, trying to get it done, trying to figure it out, trying to move forward, trying to just have it together, and yet every day, it seems a little bit by a little bit, they've devalued the relationships around them so that it's just me, and I can't trust that person, and I don't know what to do, and I'm just stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. And at the end of the day, they're that much more devalued in themselves and in the relationships they have with other people because they haven't trusted and leaned into the community that's around them. And they're trying to climb that mountain on their own. Second, you see, when we try to scale the mountain on our own, people's lives always get destroyed. It's not just a devaluing, it's a destruction. See, in that day, again, a woman had no choice. If, if as a man were to come to them and get this right or this, this document that says, hey, I divorced you, why? Because you overcooked the eggs. I mean, who does that? You overcooked eggs. So they just get this document that says, sorry, got to kick you out. Where can they go? Only two places. To their home. But in the Middle East, it's still this way today. If you've disgraced your family, their family's not going to accept you back in. And if you've been divorced, there's nothing more of a disgrace than being divorced. Is it that woman's fault? No. She's been devalued. She's now being destroyed. So what are her options? I can't live with my father because he's throwing me out because my husband threw me out. So where do I go? Oh yeah, prostitution. In fact, the majority, if not every single prostitute in that day, had to do with a destroyed and devalued woman who was kicked out of her home for the newer model. So that's what they did. Because they can't own land. They can't own anything. So the only way I can make money to feed my children is by selling myself on the streets. Or being a slave. And if the, if the, if the father at that time said, ah, the kids, little buggy, don't like them. I'm going to sell them into slavery too. You see what happens when we try to scale that mountain on our own and interpret what God has said on our own and do it with what we think is best as we take one step forward trying to get to God instead of allowing God to come through and live in us. We have a tendency to devalue and destroy those around us. And here were women and children sacrificed to the altar of self. We don't see that today, do we? This is why God hates, hates divorce. 
Because it ultimately devalues and destroys. I know I'm a part of that. I was raised by a single mom. And yes, she didn't have to sell herself on the streets. But six jobs, from six in the morning to six o'clock at night, I had no mother. It's hard. And this is the... this. Is the life we're giving to our children. This is the destruction that we are raising. This is the devaluing that we're showing. By the way, the destruction doesn't always have to be have to be so apparent. <laughs> there was a time in my life when I made a vow. I made a point with my lips to say, I'm going to go do this. And like me, being me, I just charged forward and I charged ahead. And I was married and, and in six months we had a child uh, 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 that we, we, we were pregnant at six months of being married and then, and then 18 months we had three kids. It was nuts. In, in, in 18 months we had three children. I was 22 and a half, 23 years old. I had a full ride to Azusa Pacific University. They were actually paying me to go. It was awesome. I don't know why because I'm stupid, but it was great. And we bought a bed with it. We're like, hey, we had all this money. We're rolling in the dough. But I had like six classes. I was working like four or five jobs, side jobs. My, my wife had three little kids, all in diapers. You see, I had made a commitment to do these things. And my wife had come to me and said, we're being destroyed. My life, I feel like an A-bomb has been dropped on it. And I'm hurting. Please help me. See, in the name of, uh, uh, of education, in the name of going where I thought God was calling me to go, I mean, I had everything. When you looked at it, it was like, wow, you're getting paid to go to school, and wow, you get... I had to step away. And very much, let me just say, there are many of you who are in situations that you need to say, am I truly doing this without God, without the love that came down, or am I doing this because I'm following Jesus into this? Nothing says following Jesus like the opposite of devaluing and destruction. And nothing says I'm not following Jesus more than the devaluing and the destruction of life and people around you. So please remember that. Please. Where in your life today is there a trail of destruction? And I guarantee you it's coming from you trying to scale the mountain on your own. Lastly, thirdly here, we try to scale the mountain on our own. People's lives always get more and more disconnected. See, it's not enough to be devalued. It's not enough to be destroyed. But then we become completely disconnected. One of the funniest stories I ever heard was uh, a, a guy called a, uh, you know, one of those lines for his computer. And I used to know a guy that, that actually did that. And he would walk people through. And, and the first thing he said was, you know, he was trying to figure out. And the guy's like, well, is your computer plugged in? He said, what do I look like? Right? What do I look like? Of course it's plugged in. Come on. You know, it's like your car doesn't work. Did you try putting gas in it? You know, it's like the simple aspect, right? And the funny thing is this guy, had it wasn't plugged in. I mean, he had sat there for hours and hours and hours and hours trying to work on his computer, ripping everything out and finally being so overwhelmed. He's calling out, he's screaming out and he's on the phone with these people saying, help me. Did you try plugging it in? You see, the biggest part of this is the disconnection. See, the religious leaders of their day, they fell into that category. It wasn't enough just to say, hey, try that. It was like double dog, no, no, triple dare. No, just go to the coup de grace, triple dog dare. See, they had these in religion, and yet we see this in life. And let me explain. Back then, they would say, if the Jew was selling you something or a part of this, he would say, hey, 
I'm not, I'm not just giving you this. I'm not just selling this to you. I swear, I swear by the altar in the temple. And some of them would go, mm, not good enough. Wait, wait, I just said by the altar in the temple. Swear by the offering on the altar in the temple. Then we got a deal. Then I know you're serious. <laughs> you see, that was the crazy thing. There was all these different things that showed how disconnected they were. See, if you took an oath by the temple, that was nothing. But if you said by the gold of the temple, then it was good. But if you took a gift and the altar, then it was binding. You see, all these kooky, crazy, superstitious things that, 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 that they did at that time. Isn't it, isn't it like great that we're so far beyond that? We don't do that anymore, do we? Okay, so besides the fact that we are so connected today, I know pretty much what you guys ate last night because of Instagram, Facebook, and all that good stuff, right? I love it when I go out to eat with Jason, because the first thing Jason does is, ooh, that looks good. He takes a picture of it. Takes a picture of it. I just want to tell people how good it is. I mean, that's the age we live in, right? That's the age we live in. I mean, we are so connected, you know? I, I, it, even though I left the, the, the area I was in for 10 years with the ministry, I could still get online, in, on my phone, in the course of five seconds, and know pretty much what almost all those kids are up to. Where they've been, their photos and everything. And sure, there's that connection to some extent, but is that true connection? I love the medium of internet. I love the medium of Facebook and Instagram and being able to have that connection, but it's not a full connection. You see? It's still a disconnection from that face-to-face, hand-on-the-back embrace that we need to be having with each other in a community as we lean in and walking with Jesus the mountain that He has for us. And this is the thing that, 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 where it comes back to those crazy vows and the double-dog dare. I've talked to so many people that say, you know what? When I get on the Internet and I see that somebody does something wrong and I'm on Facebook... <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you how bad they are. In fact, I'm gonna show the whole world what they've done, what they've, and I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say that they're stupid, that this person, they don't know what they're talking about, and you see these people being slammed on the internet, and you talk to them, you go, hey, isn't that kind of, isn't that kind of what God talked about you shouldn't do? Oh no, it's, it's cool. How is it cool? It's on Facebook, it's not a big deal. (laughs) How is that different? Well, see, I'm swearing by the altar. I'm not swearing by the gold of the altar, right? Or this is the other one I really love. So I just want to get together with you because I needed to tell you that I really believe Jason is back smoking crack. He's smoking crack. I know it. I've seen the crack pipe. He's over there going, it's true, it's true. But I just wanted to tell you that because I want you to pray for him. Pray for him. And you're the 18th person I've told... I want to make sure you know. Hey, hey, uh, Chris, isn't that gossip? <laughs> what? That's not gossip. I'm just telling you to pray for my dear brother. See, we swear by the, the gold on the altar and it's okay, but, but, but not, the, not the altar itself. Do you see the problem? See, we're not only devaluing people, we're not only destroying lives, but now we're beginning to become so disconnected. And by the way, Jason doesn't have a crack problem, okay? He's good. He's good. We got him off the pipe a long time ago. He's all right. Okay? He's not crowing this way. Crazy monjong. He's good, right? So don't, don't think that. Now, Mark, on the other hand. No. 
<laughs> Just kidding. Mark's like, no, that's not me. But you, but you see where we're going? You see, we, we, we think we've gotten so much better. We, we really do. We've gotten to this point where it's like, oh, we don't do that. Those crazy Jewish people back then. And Guys, it's a disconnection from God. And it's an ultimate devaluing and destroying of others. So what now? I mean, how, how do we deal with this? I mean, the first logical step is to look back and, and see where we have been walking. Because ultimately, Jesus camped in our neighborhood to walk with us. This is the, the beautiful journey. We really believe here at the mission that we want to connect with the community, but grow in faith together so that we might serve Jesus as one. This is the goal. This is the dream. This is the church. So the logical step in our faith is not to think about what we're thinking about, it's to think about what we've done, where we've been, looking at the steps. Is there a disconnect in your life where you've been walking with others? Are there people that are devalued on your path? How about destruction? If you're like me, it's probably a little bit there. There's stuff going on. So I want to give you two steps really quick, and then we're done. But this truth, hopefully, let this sit. Let this, I mean, ponder this. I mean, really get this in your brain because this is what it's about, is applying it. Amen? We don't want to just hear the word, but we want to be hearers and doers of God's word. And who is the word? Jesus. And if he came down, it's that he came down to take us by the arm, to pick us up, to run with us. This is what it's about. So first step, I would say, is to connect with this Jesus who came down. He never created us to live apart from his love, his truth, his grace. He can, he, from the get-go, he created us to be connected to him. This is what it was in the garden before the fall and why he sent his people, his prophets, his nation, and finally his son to connect with us on a level we can never connect with each other on. God did this for you and me. This is why the cross is so crucial. It's what Jesus came to do to bridge that gap between you and the Father. In our sin, we're kept from the connection to God. And it plays out in our connection with others as we devalue, destroy, and disconnect. But this is also for those who've walked with Christ as well. We have a tendency to walk with Christ, but then we see something sparkly and nice over in the thing, like me, right? Like I can be in Costco and I'm with my kids and my wife and I'm just like, ooh, something shiny. And I just take off and go look at it. Pretty soon I'm like, where is everybody? I was talking to my daughter who, we lost her in the, um, at, at the LA County Fair. And she's like, yeah, remember when you lost me? I was like, oh no, you got it wrong. You took off from us. <laughs> you saw something shiny and I can't really blame her because I do the same thing. You know. I, I mean... I remember I would go with my mom, and my mom, I'm surprised she still has hair to this day, because I would have sworn she would have pulled it out raising me. But um, there were so many times she would take me shopping, because she just loved to shop and go out, and, and I would just see something, and I would just go run after it. And I would just go hang out over there, and pretty soon I'm looking around going, where's my mom? Whoa, what happened? What's going on? And I think to some extent this is what happens in our life. We go out there, we get stuck, and we look around going, what happened? Where is everybody? Where did God go? I don't see him anymore. I don't feel him anymore. When you lose connection with the king, you get stuck. I've been there. And we cry out. 
But this is, might be the time that you need to cry out to the King of Kings who you've lost connection with. Maybe it's in the area of your marriage and you need to cry out. Maybe it's in the area of your work and, and, and at one time this was the job that you really thought was what, but now the destruction from your family and everything that's been happening, you've so disconnected with God and with your family, it's just, it's apparent. And all you can do now is see the pole that you're stuck to out in the middle of the cold going, Help! I'm stuck! <laughs> like Flick. This is what we do. God wants us to connect with Him. But this is the good news. God is close to the brokenhearted. The message of the gospel, the message of the word of God, the message that, that came down, the love, listens to us as we cry out and then says, I'm here. I'm going to help you. Thank you for crying out to me. This is what God does. This is the Lord we follow. Call out to him and you will be saved. Second step, this is the easy one, sort of, <laughs> is to value and edify others that are precious to him. You see, the n- number one theme of the Bible is love God with all your heart. Connect with him, with your mind, with your soul, with everything you are. And, and adversely, or not adversely, but, but secondly, at the same level, love others. Love others. It's always that two-step process. And yet those two steps are equal with each other. You love God as much as you love others. And just because we have a God-shaped hole in our heart for God to fill, there's also an other hole for people that God calls us to, to reach out with. And this is the idea of valuing and edifying. To treat others as precious to God. To not leave them at the pole. Because it's nice and warm and safe and I won't get in trouble in there. No, it's to go out there and be the one that says, I am here for you. See, that word edify, I think we all get the idea of valuing, but the word edify is just an old word for edification and what it means is to build up, to come alongside, pull out the tools that God has given you, extend the, 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 the hammer of grace, the nails of peace, whatever it is, I'm making some stuff up here, but you get what I'm saying, to come alongside with those tools and build up that person. And this is really hardcore when you're doing that with people who don't like you. Because Jesus says, what is it to do this and love your family or your brother or your friend as opposed to loving your enemy and praying for those who persecute you? See, that's radical love. That's radical edification. I love Proverbs 18.21. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. And so what Jesus is really doing is just bringing this out in your commitment with people and as you speak and as you talk, are you connected with the king and valuing and edifying others? It's as simple as that. What I'd like to do is have you guys close your eyes and bow your heads. But I want you to think about this. As you're closing your eyes and you know, and you're bowing your heads, maybe your spouse has hurt you for the 8,967th time. I know I've done that with my wife. It's probably about 18,000. <laughs> but you're fed up with the lack of respect and disagreements and all you want to do is run. And in this day and age, it's really easy. You can get that little paper. It's not that hard. Just like it wasn't hard back then. 
But the question is, what will you do? What will you do? See, Jesus valued us so much that He lifted us up to a place we could never get to. And now we have an opportunity to do the same with those around us and those closest to us. Because maybe you're a friend with somebody that their marriage is on the rocks. Maybe you're, a, you're not a friend with somebody in your office. And that person in that office, man, they, they tick you off. They just go out of their way to hurt you. Maybe it's your actual supervisor. And guess what? Your supervisor just got a little piece of paper that said you're fired. And the temptation is for you to sit back in your cubicle, sit in your desk area and go, yes! Thank God and good riddance. That guy is a turd. And he's gone. Right? That's the temptation. That's the temptation. To devalue, to destroy, and to disconnect. But where are you going to connect with God in that moment? Where are you going to connect with God? And where are you going to value and edify that person? And go out of your way, your enemy, to treat them in such a way that says, I am going to build you up. I am going to go and find you a new job. I'm going to take my free time. And that person at the end of the day is going to go, what the heck? <laughs> Who are you? Why do you help me? I, I hate you. I've made your life miserable. Why would you do this? Because love came down. See, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe that person, and this is what usually happens to us, that boss that you really don't like, he just got promoted in the place that you were hoping to get promoted. Now the temptation is to go on Facebook. Right? Now the temptation is to go to your family, to your friends and say, that turd! That was my job! My thing! What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Do you see how this plays out? Your words, your vows that you make as you are connected with God make all the difference in the world. God is about making beautiful things. Not just out of you, but about the others you bump into in the valley below that Jesus came to. Lord, we thank you. We have an opportunity every day to reach out. We have an opportunity to connect with you every day, to follow after you, to seek you with all our hearts. And may I just say, the first one here, I'm the chief of sinners. I really identify with Paul in that. I don't always do this. Help me to reach out. Because there's so many people out there that are stuck. So many people that are in the cold, that don't know you, and they need you. Father, may we reach out to the least, to the last, to the lost. Lord, I just pray right now, if there's anybody in here that does not know you, that has not made that commitment in their life to be connected with you, they would stick around afterwards. We've got prayer warriors and prayer partners and just people that we want to put an arm around you and we want to pray for you and we want to invite you into God's kingdom where we all have to go at the foot of the cross because we're all equal there. And we look up to the God that came down to lift our head up and take us to meet His Father. 
If you've never done that, we just want to extend that to you now. But again, secondly, if you just, you've been disconnected, you've seen a path of destruction, of devaluing, and disconnection. I want you to also stick around. So we want to pray for you too. Because maybe there's something in your life that you need to give back to God and say, I've been walking off. I found something shiny. And now I'm all by myself. I'm stuck in the cold and I'm stuck. We want you to choose this day for you and your house to follow the Lord. We have that power. We have that gift. And we can say yes. Or we can say no. This is the love that came down to you and me. My hope, my prayer is that you would come with us. In Jesus' name, amen.